people show commitment in two ways. People show commitment in their calendar and people show commitment in their wallet, right? So if I, if I really say that I'm, that I'm family first, I have to ask myself, you know, how am I spending my money? Like in, in that context. That's Ryan Dice from digitalmarketer.com. And he's the guest today on the Two Cent Dad podcast. And he talks about just the basics things that he does to ensure that he's putting family first. Um, a lot of it is just habits that he does, um, ensuring that him and his wife are on the same page. And he sh- shares the story about how he went from 16 hour plus days to dialing it back and regaining focus. Um, so without further ado, uh, let's jump right into the interview with Ryan. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast, Ryan Dice, and he is um, the founder of digitalmarketer.com, which is a community of marketing professionals. Um, And he's also a serial entrepreneur, um, very uh, active member of the Austin, Texas startup community, um, spoken at very numerous conferences around marketing, but most importantly related to this show, he's a father of four um, children. And so wanted to have him on to talk about kind of his journey in entrepreneurship, um, the successes he's had, and how he has or has not um, sacrificed his um, family on the altar success. So thank you. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Yeah, Mike. Thanks for having me. So maybe give us a little background to kind of where you're at now. I know You've had multiple um, entrepreneurial ventures, and maybe you could explain a little bit about digitalmarketer.com is, for those of people that don't know, kind of talk about how that came to be. Sure. I mean, so digitalmarketer.com is just a, a, a training site, for lack of, lack of a better word. It's an e-learning company, and we train marketing teams and entrepreneurs and agencies how to be better at digital marketing. And, and really, the way that it came about is through my own, like you said, entrepreneurial uh, endeavors. So I had I started my very first company from my dorm room in 1999, while I was a freshman at the University of Texas at Austin. I actually started that company so I could afford to buy an engagement ring uh, for the girl I was dating at the time, who uh, later uh, and still is my wife and the mother of uh, mother of my kids. So uh, awesome. entrepreneurial <laughs> journey was inspired very on uh, very early on by by familial uh, ambitions, but. Um, but yeah, all along the way, I've started different companies and I always did two things. I, I one, I always talked about what I was doing Yeah, I would, I would share what I was doing. And I, I did that early on. It was very practical. I, I did it because I found that, that there was a market for, uh, for my advice. There was a market for my, uh, for my content, for my training. So really before there was a lot of people out, out there selling courses, you know, before there was the, the, the Udemy and really the entire this movement that now exists um, of, of people teaching and training, um, I kind of lucked into it. I stumbled into it, and and I found that people would, you know, pay to sort of watch me build companies. And from my perspective, that's what uh, provided the funding for me to go and launch some of these different businesses. So I I started teaching so that I could afford to start other companies. So for me, it was kind of this this side thing that I did, it was almost, you know, I guess it's, it's comparable to a lot of people do services while they're building software, right? They might run an agency and then they build, you know, and then what is the side project becomes the real thing. And the, you know, and the services kind of go by the wayside Uh, for me, teaching and speaking was the thing that I just did on the side. The difference is it never went away. (laughs) You know, I remember at one point we decided, Oh, let's go ahead and do an event. So we did an event um, that was traffic and conversion summit 10 years ago. And I remember the third year of that event, there's nearly a thousand people in the room. And I said, 
this is not just a side thing I do to make extra money to fund my, you know, entrepreneurial ADHD. This is, uh, (laughs) this is a thing. This is a real business. I should, you know, I should treat this like a real business. And it's also the business that I really love. You know, I, I love teaching. And I, I love um, I love the training aspect of it, and uh, I love the discovery of finding something new and being able to share that with others. So um, that's why, you know, when we decided, you know, my partners and I to divide up the company and really kind of divide and conquer a little bit, I wanted to really take on Digital Marketer as you know as my as my project. So I'm fortunate in that I, I get to um, I get to own and I get to participate in and I get to advise a lot of different companies. But my day job is running Digital Marketer, and that's really yeah. fun for me. That's great. Um, so I heard, speaking of, you're talking about teaching, and you're talking about how a lot of this came out of just kind of your pragmatism of of, you, of being a, a you know marketer. I was watching a talk that you gave, I think, in Austin, and you talked about you were, I think, a web designer, um, self-taught web designer. But you were yeah. you were doing a job for a company that was a lactation consultant. <laughs> yeah, and you talked about the story. First, yeah, <laughs> to tell us that my story. My very first website that I ever built. Yeah, so it was 1999, and um, I figured the dot com boom was in full swing. The bust hadn't yet occurred, and I thought, what better way to get in than to teach myself web design? And by teach myself web design, I mean I got I had Microsoft front page and Adobe Go Live. Like this was not any sort of advanced coding or anything like that. And so I'm, I'm running around pitching my services as a web designer. And um, the only person who would uh, give me a chance was, uh, yeah, this, this woman who was a lactation consultant. Kind of, I told everybody I knew, um, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm doing web design. You know, I'll design a website for like $500. So, and, and through a friend of a friend of a friend, it got back around to this woman who's a lactation consultant. And she's like, okay, I need a website. You know, I'll hire you. Yeah. Uh, but I can't pay you until the website's done. And, um, you know, long story short, she wasn't able to pay me. Her husband wound up losing her, uh, losing his job. She had to go back to work. She didn't need the website anymore. Um, but one of the things that she had me do is to help her produce this ebook on how to make your own baby food. Yeah. And uh, so, because her, for her thinking, pretty smart lady, from her, her point of view, she said, you know what? Once I've kind of shown women how to how to, how to breastfeed, once once they're nursing success, uh, successfully, they don't really need me. So yeah. I want to kind of stay on and still be involved in their, you know, in their lives even after their kids have weaned. So I'm going to teach them how to make healthy baby food. I mean, that's really ahead of ahead of her time on so many yeah. levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, very, yeah, very, very, very cool. And so as payment, because she couldn't pay me cash for the website, she's like, "Why don't you just keep this, you know, this ebook on how to make your own baby food?" Like, so you hung on to it for years, and then you used it, you know, what, 10, 15 years later for your own kids, right? <laughs> no, actually, what I did is the very next day, I built a simple little website to sell the ebook on how to make your own baby food because I needed right. money. Yeah, That's yeah awesome. so that That's was awesome. the start of my publishing, uh, my digital publishing efforts. And, and truly, I just put up a simple one-page website. I optimized for how to make your own baby food. I think at the time, um, uh, goto.com, yeah. which was the predecessor to – uh, to Yahoo's ad, it was a predecessor to Overture, which is the prede- predecessor to Yahoo's ad network. Which some some of those folks were poached to build Google's AdWords ad platform. Uh, so this is I mean, this is back when Google was a science fair project, right? I mean, this is when this is pre Facebook, and you know I'm walking uphill in snow both ways to school kind of thing. Um, but you know it, it worked. I mean, I I sold a couple copies of that of that little ebook every single day at 14 bucks a pop. And for a college kid, uh, you know, an extra free $30 a day, 
was uh, was pretty sweet money. And then that's yeah. when I thought, gosh, if I had a hundred of these, it'd really be something. And so yeah. that that was kind of that was sort of my first uh, my first entrepreneurial efforts was uh, trying to bail myself out of getting uh, stiffed on a web design build from a lactation consultant. Sheer, just like necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, I don't think anybody would have drawn up that business plan. Yeah, exactly. Well, so fast forward then, and I know you've been at Digital Marketer um, building that over the, like, the last 10 years, I think. Um, but it also lines up with you know your kids are about that age, so that means you, you became a dad in that period while you're growing your business. So talk about maybe um, you know how you balanced that. You know what what you know maybe. Maybe you had these these ideas and these ambitions, and how did those change after you had kids? And then, how have you balanced the journey of scaling up the business while having young kids? Because I know it's it's very time demanding, um, you know, and your focus and your outlook on life, you know, can go up and down, you know, <laughs> through that journey. So, yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, it changed so much. So I have four kids. Uh, my oldest is uh, is about to turn thirteen. My youngest uh, is about to turn seven, and. Um, and I remember when my, you know, my wife told me that, that she's going to be pregnant, uh, that she was pregnant with, with our, with our son. I mean, it, it was a surprise to both of us. Um, we certainly weren't, we, we got married, we got married the weekend after we graduated from college. So we met our wow. freshman year, got married the weekend after, after we graduated. And I think less than two years later, you know, there, there you go. She's pregnant. That, that wasn't what we were necessarily planning to do. Um, and, and I had just really gone full, full blown in, into my, into my company. Like that was when I said, okay. This can't just be a hobby. I've got to make this a thing. And um, you know, we had a house and you know all the stuff that a young family is going to have, and then find out that, that she's pregnant. So it was a it was a key motivator. Those nine months, you know, that that the, that she you know was growing that kid, uh, growing Jonathan. I was the most active and motivated that I've ever been. And of course, she's like, yeah, go do what you got to do. Um, and when Jonathan was born. Uh, early on, it was great because my business was just me. You know, she would help me out a little bit, but we kind of had an agreement early on that she wasn't going to be actively involved in the in the business. We just didn't want that uh, for you know for our marriage. We didn't feel like that would be good for us. I know other couples who make it work. We just didn't feel like it'd be good for us. But she'd help out a little bit, but in general, just me. And so, you guys, you know, when John can, was, can I stop you there for a second? How yeah. did you guys reach that understanding? And tell me about that conversation because I know that um, people that are either starting businesses or in businesses. That is a that's a point of, I wouldn't say contention, but I, I know there's always a balance with how much you share, how involved are you, how I mean you're you're obviously involved to some degree, um, but tell me about that kind of how you guys sorted that out. Yeah, I mean, she said first and foremost, she said I want to be your wife, um, and I don't want if something is is hard, if something's tough at work, like I don't want to also be sharing in that because then who do we have to turn to? And we had got some advice from uh, and really good counsel from you know, an older gentleman that I knew who, um, he, he'd been an entrepreneur his whole life. And he said, just be really careful about that. Like if, if you're going to do it, make sure that there's a clear division of labor. He said, but my advice would be, you know, don't do it and really, and have that conversation early on. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully we did. So we got some really good advice early on. We had that conversation. She said, hell no, I don't want to work for you. Um, no, I don't want to work in the business. Like, you know, I want to, I want to be a mom and, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to have to do, I don't, I don't want to do any of that stuff. So, um, you know, if I have to, that's one thing, but if you're asking me if I want to, the answer is no. So we had had that conversation, uh, really uh, before she even got uh, pregnant. And, and so I'm, I'm glad that we did. That was, that was a good thing. Um, but it meant like, so now there's this little baby and I'm thinking, this is great. I can be super dad. You know, I can, I can wake up early. I can do the feedings. I can do all those things. Cause I don't, I'm not going into an office. You know, I'm working from home. Yeah. And, 
and, and then it completely got me off off track in terms of productivity, right? Yeah. Um, now no, I'm, no way, no way. Yeah, That's know, just, right? just a shocker, right? <laughs> you throw this like you know this tiny little time bomb into your world, and you got to figure out what is this new reality. And I'm sure, like a lot of people, I didn't, I didn't, you know, adjust as well. And so the business began to decline, uh, income began to decline, right as expenses were beginning to go up. And you know, so I dove back in. But in general, it was fine. Uh, in in general, it was fine. We were we were able to make it. We were able to make it work. Um, and the business began to grow and it began to improve, um, you know, found out that, you know, a couple years later, again, if you do the math, right, seven, 11, nine, 13, this was every two years, you know, here comes baby number two. And now we're in a bigger house, right? Cause we needed to get a bigger house. Apparently our previous house yeah. wasn't big enough, even though it was, it was fine. Um, but now we had to get a, a bigger house. So now I've got, um, I now have a, a bigger house cause I have a bigger business. I can afford it. Uh, I have an office with a couple of employees and, uh, and the, you know, the unfortunate thing is I, I think about, you know, my oldest daughter, I don't have a lot of memories of the first year or two of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I do like, I go back and look at pictures. I was there. It's not like I was this dad that was just gone. I, I was, I was, uh, I, I was there, but I wasn't there. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. I was, I was physically present, but I wasn't really emotionally present because my mind and everything that I was going on, every, all the significance that was swirling around me was all around the business and trying to keep everything going. Um, do you think that, that was necessary or do you think there's another way you could do that? Because I think, you know, there's obviously seasons in life where you're, you kind of have to give some of that dedication. Um, but like, if you look back on that and you say, okay, I don't, I don't necessarily like that fact or that was, I, you know, it's hard to, to say, I can't, I don't have those memories or it was seemed like a blur or something what would you have done differently? It's easy to say what would you do differently, but what what maybe advice would you give someone that's right in the thick of that um, in how to at least get some of those moments back to preserve a little bit and carve out a little bit? Yeah, what I did then, because I've asked myself this, it's a good question, it's one I've asked myself. I'm not, And I'm not sure if I'm just, you know, there's times when I'm being maybe a little bit more self-flagellating and like, oh, you know, you're you're the worst. And maybe there's times I'm trying to employ revisionist history and make myself feel mm-hmm. better. Um, what I know it was a difficult time. It was a difficult time in the economy. So this was, you know, my, my daughter was born in 2008. So if you think about what was going on 2008, 2009, the economy wasn't doing well. And um, in general, my businesses weren't dramatically affected, but I, I think I feared that they would be. And so I really doubled down. We were also trying to to rapidly expand things very quickly. So um, we were kind of overcommitting. Uh, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I was a new entrepreneur. I was I was mm-hmm. learning how to be a manager and a leader and figure out all these different aspects of business. And at the same time, I'm trying to figure out what does being a dad of two look like. And what I did is I gave myself permission um, to just go all in on the company. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, it's okay. Uh, the family will be okay because, frankly, if I don't take care of this over here, then nothing else is going to matter. Um, and I remember one night, you know, my my wife is a very wise woman. She's way smarter than I am too. Um, and she came to me and she said, "Look, you can keep doing what you're doing. You know, I know who I married. Like she knew that she married an entrepreneur. Like she got mm-hmm. it. Like I know who I married. You can keep doing what you're doing, but you can't pretend like you're doing it uh, for us anymore." Um, you can't tell yourself that you're doing it for for us. Uh, I'd be happy to move back into our old house. I'd be happy to move into an apartment. Um, But right now, we just don't see any of you. So I'm not saying that you have to stop doing everything, but um, 
we don't see you at all. And it's true. I was waking up. I was generally gone first thing in the morning. I'd come, I'd be home at midnight. Um, mm. I was no help whatsoever. Um, yeah. at home with the kids and now she's got, you know, a baby and a toddler. Um, yeah. And, you know, and looking back on it, I don't know, did, was it difficult? Was I just being pathetic? Like I didn't want to have to deal with the, the early morning stuff or, you know, the toddler, you know, days and yeah. maybe it was to go to work. But again, looking back on it, I wouldn't have fun either. It was just, right. I think it was a difficult season and I didn't handle it well. And, um, and I, when she said that, I said, okay, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like I'm going to leave at five and let's see what happens. And the reason I can tell you is I didn't ha- I know for a fact I didn't have to do it is because magically when I just said, I'm going to keep a normal schedule, I'm going to show up a work around nine. I'm going to leave around five or six. That's not, you know, that's just normal. Everything, the same amount of stuff still got done. And, um, and, and just applying some of those constraints and, you know, she said, she's like, I don't expect you to be home all day, every day. Like you were, you know, when, when Jonathan was born, I get it. You've got a, a company and people on an office, but you know, you should at least be home for dinner every now and then. Um, but God, that probably went on for 12 to 18 months before she sort of cracked me upside the head. So what was it? Was it her that pushed you over the edge or what were some of your fears? If someone that's listening to this is that's in the, in the, um, 16 hour, you know, work day mode and they're listening to it and they're saying, yeah, that's great, Ryan, but I don't think I can do it. There's so much to get done. Um, what would, what could you say to that person? That's, that's not convinced that, that you could still get that the constraints are a good thing. I should say, you know, that they can actually be really healthy for you. Um, is, does it take someone close to them to say that and say, hey, you, you need to make a change here? Or is it something yeah, else, you know? I think you just got to get at it. I mean, to, to me, what it was, is it was ego, mm. right? It was, it was I decided that I was the type of person who was so important that I needed to do that. And it just wasn't true. So, uh, And it took her saying what she said, which is, you can do it. You just can't pretend like you're doing it for us, which meant you're only doing it for yourself. Yeah. And, and my, that's not my identity, right? My identity is, you know, uh, whatever's driving it, right? My identity is no, you know, family first and this and that. And so she's basically telling me, you can say that, but you're not living it. Mm. And I think one of the challenges I was dealing with is I was miserable too. I mean, I was working way too hard. I was exhausted, you know, beating my head against the wall. And, and a lot of it was, I was inefficient because I wasn't sleeping. Um, because I had allowed myself essentially these 16 hour work days, I would also allow myself gigantic chunks of time where I did basically nothing. Like it went completely unaccounted for. And, um, and, and so when, when she said that, like when she came to me and said that it, it, it was a, almost a relief because I wasn't happy either, but I did, I had nobody to vent to because yeah. I was at least as tired and miserable as I was. What I knew is if I were to go home and complain to her when she'd been doing with, you know, two kids all day by herself, that would be extra stupid. Like I I was smart enough to know (laughs) that I'm not allowed to complain to her. And when I realized if I can't complain to her, I can't complain to my team. I got nobody to like complain to. If you're in that position and you've got nobody to complain to, you've got nobody that you feel like you can vent to. What I would say is you're the one good news, bad news. You're the one who has to fix it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes what you need to do is just stop spinning plates and see which ones actually fall. And, um, when I said, okay, I'm just going to work a normal work day, like that's not that much of a stretch. I'm just going to work a normal work day. I'm going to be super efficient while I'm there. Uh, I also 
uh, I remember I had somebody on, on my team come to me saying, you know, I just, I feel like I'm overworked and I just can't get all this done, work done. And I remember wanting to physically uh, murder that person because I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, you show up, you know, at nine, you're watching the clock and cutting out at five and you're telling me you can't get your stuff done. Cry me a freaking river, homie. I didn't yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, what I said is that seems strange. I understand the volume of work that you've been given. Having done it myself, I know that you should be able to get it done in the allotted time. So there's got to be something going on. So what I want you to do is I want you to do a, a diary of a work diary. I want you to write down every 30 minutes. What did you do? And I remember asked, I remember giving this instruction to this person who worked for me and thinking, Oh God, if you did that, you would be humiliated at what you saw. And so it was kind of all these things came to, came to a head. But I'll tell you, if, if what you're doing is so important, you can't get it done in eight hours. Eight hours is an extraordinary amount of time. It's yeah. an extraordinary amount of time in eight hours. You can fly from New York to London right? Eight hours is a really, really, really long time. And if you've got five days of those eight hours, like that's an astounding amount of time. Let's say you're willing to stretch it to 10, right? You're going to eat lunch at your table. Like that is a, that is an enormous amount of time. If what you're doing is so complicated that it can't get done in that amount of time, then you've bitten off more you can chew. Your model is wrong. You need to go back and reevaluate. Uh, you need to um, come up with a simpler path to get to some type of revenue. Just something needs to change. Your 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 model is broken. You were yeah. pursuing a path that simply won't work, and it's time to readjust. I think that's those are really wise words. And it's actually I, I just recently started to I had done this exercise of tracking my time a while back, and I'd kind of gotten this creeping feeling of feeling like oh I got too much on my plate, too much on my plate, and I started tracking my time again, and it's actually really revealing how inefficient you can be when you're just trying to extend your hours or, you know, trying to do all that stuff. It's like when you actually, it is humiliating when you start to look at that and it's like, okay, what gets tracked and what get what's get measured? That's actually gets, gets changed. I mean, it's like, there's like a marketing thing in here too, you know, <laughs> marketing I lesson. Do, I still do it every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, my planner is, I'm, I'm looking at it across, you know, across yeah. my desk. I, I, I do it every single day. And, uh, and it's amazing it, uh, when you track it, you do a better job. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the act of measuring seems to improve things. Um, but there, there will still be chunks of the day where I look back and, you know, I was doing stuff and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take my planner with me and like, what did I do from yeah. two to three yesterday? Like I can't account for an entire hour of the day. That's yeah. sad. And for me, like, I'm like, okay, that's just a, an hour of my life. I'll never get back, but I have nothing to show for it. Yeah. So tell me, so tell me a little bit about then after you made that shift, you know, you said you still got the work done. Tell me about how that changed your home life and just general life quality and just the, the downstream effects, I would say of that, because I think a lot of, you know, um, our time at home is dictated by how good things are going at work. A lot of times, as much as we don't like it to be, I know I find that to be the case, whether we're spending too much time or overworked or whatever. So tell me a little bit about the downstream effects of that change. Yeah, well, I'm thankful that, um, you know, the, the time when this happened, my, uh, my, my, the, the two kids that I had then when I was really at my worst, um, in terms of just workaholism, um, the kids were so young that, you know, maybe it's going to have like some long-term downstream effects, but so far they seem fine hmm. and they don't remember me being gone then, you know, like my youngest daughter doesn't really remember my son's like, yeah, whatever. Um, and we have great, wonderful, you know, relationship right now. So I'm thankful that it was kind of figured out and that, and that I was, um, you know, kind of brought to my sen uh, senses early, uh, as opposed to 
you know, doing that for like a decade and my kids just not knowing who I was. Um, so I just thought to like, if I really say that, that I'm family first, um, and one of the things that I teach at Digital Marketer, you know, one of our core concepts that we teach is people show commitment in two ways. People show commitment in their calendar and people show commitment in their wallet, right? So if I, if I really say that I'm, that I'm family first, I have to ask myself, you know, how am I spending my money? Like in, in that context. And so I, you know, going back and reevaluating things like budgeting and do I really need all this stuff? Or, you know, would it, would it be better to go on certain vacations? But the biggie for me, because the money wasn't the thing. I don't, I don't generally overspend a lot of stuff. You know, kids are fine. The biggest thing for me was the calendar. And um, so what I did, and again, I, it was advice that I got from a, from a wiser friend, said what you need to do at the, at the end of every year. And, and you need to reevaluate it during the summer as well. But at the end of every year, you need to get together with your wife. You need to go on like a two-day offsite kind of thing, just like you would do. You know, you go on quarterly offsites with your leadership team. Surely you can do a, you know, once a year offsite with, you know, with your, with your partner. But go on this offsite and plan the year and say, what, what blocks do you want for family stuff? And I essentially, so we start with a blank calendar and there's certain things that are in there, right? Traffic and diversion, some in our big event that's planned years out. So, you know, that one's taken, but in general, aside from one or two notable exceptions, she gets first dibs on the calendar. And if she says, this is spring break, so I'm going to claim this week. And this is, you know, for the kid's birthday here, I want to go on this and we want to go on this trip here. So she gets to block out the calendar. Now we don't have to decide what we're doing yet. She just claims it as hers. Really, she claims, claims it as ours. That's even, even claiming it as hers is a really um, kind of stupid way to put it. She claims and redeems that time as our family time, as renewal time for us as a family. So what that means is if, if a really good speaking opportunity comes up, if you know, there's an opportunity to travel for a business development opportunity or partnership, I have to say no because that's hers. It's already been blocked out. Now, the practical application of that is I say, I'm sorry, I can't make it then. Could we plan another time? And you know what? About 90% of the time, you can. Mm -hmm. So just that act of saying, okay, you get first crack at this. What do you want? You know, what do we want? How many vacations do we want to go on as a family? How long do we want them to be? What types of vacations do we want them to be? Just that act right there has it gives me so much freedom because now outside of that, I can run my business and I don't have to have, you know, a lot of guilt. Now, if I'm going to travel internationally, we have a rule. She gets to, to decide if, if, um, if that's something that works, if I'm going to be gone for an extended period of time, we're going to talk about that first and it better be a good reason. Um, my rule, if somebody wants me to come out and speak, it's a speaking fee plus two business class tickets uh, so that she can go with me. And so now, you know, I'm more willing to do it if, if it's a, if it's a trip just for us. So we want to have family time and then we want to have us time, but yeah. just giving her first dibs over the calendar, that's a biggie. Uh, you know, and I try, I, I, I always, my goal is I'm going to be home for dinner. Are there times when it just doesn't work out other times when I'm late? Yeah. I want to make sure it's the exception and not the rule. Yeah. And it's those times when it starts to become the rule and it starts to become a habit that, She'll look at it and say, again, hey, you can you can do it, but you can't pretend like you're doing it for us because we just want you home for dinner. Yeah. And uh, that little phrase is something that she hasn't had to utter a, a lot of times, but she has pulled that out of her back pocket a couple of times. But I've just found just from a tactical perspective, doing that two-day offsite, just us, 
letting her have look at the calendar, reevaluating it again over the summer to look at. So we're almost working on a on a rolling uh, sort of annual basis. So in the summer we look at it for how does the rest of the year look, and then what does the first part of the next year look. Uh, that's helped. Just that one action has has changed everything. Yeah, that's huge because then it's all about expectations, right? Because she's looking at the year. What what is her expectations out of it? And you're looking at it the same way. So, do you guys yep. do that on like a weekly basis? I know, like, do you guys look at the week too? Like, what, what's coming up this week to just kind of chat around that? If it's a big week and a lot of things are going on, but you know, the thing about school, <laughs> when you've got four kids and they're in school, it's kind of gets to be a routine. So yeah. people talk about stuff. If I'm traveling, you know, right now I've had a, I've had a season where I, I've traveled a lot and in the last you know, two weeks I, I was in, uh, I was in Mexico for a week uh, and she was with me on that trip. And then I was back for a day and then I had to, to immediately uh, fly to Miami for a couple of days. And then I was back for a day. And the very next day I had to fly to London for a week and, you know, and now I'm back. Uh, that wasn't good. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing is to say that was necessary. Like all of those things that happened, they kind of had to happen. It was unfortunate the timing worked out the way that they did, but for the course of the business, it really needed to happen. Um, but we said, this isn't good. Like we called it, we said like, this is not a good thing. It's Mm -hmm. an exception. We're doing it. We're making this exception because it's important. Each one of these trips is, is an important or it's a commitment, you know, it's it's a, it's a really big opportunity or was a commitment that was done, but we're going to say, this isn't good. And I think just that that's important also to be on the same page of, you know, is this okay or is it not? She's fine with me. You know, if I, if I need to travel and same with the kids, like if I need to travel, everybody gets it. That that's an aspect of, of my life. That's an aspect of, you know, of my business and this season that, you know, that I'm in and different people are going to have different things. My best friend growing up is an attorney. He never travels, but he works constantly. Mm -hmm. So different people are going to have different things. I think that's, I think that's life. It's just, do you agree on the subjective parts? Do you both agree that, that, yeah, you know what? Me effectively being gone for like two and a half weeks is too long. It's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. That's, that's bad. I think the fact that we can say that's bad. And I'm not saying that it, other people may be listening and saying like, I think that's fine. My wife and I wouldn't have a problem with that. Great. I'm telling you what's important is that you agree. You know, if I'm sitting here thinking, what's the big deal? Then, um, and she's thinking this is awful. Then that's where it's not, good. not a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, I think it was all great advice. Cause I think it's all about getting on the same page. Um, is there anything else that you found maybe you picked up with, with your other entrepreneur, um, friends that are maybe in a similar stage of life or uh, maybe a little bit further down the road that you could share? I mean, you mentioned that some of those pieces of advice were from an older, um, gentleman who was kind of like a mentor of yours. Do you have any other like kind of nuggets like that, that are, that you can think of right off the top of your head that you want to share? Yeah. I mean, I had, um, uh, you know, I had a friend tell me it's, 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 it's quantity time. You know, don't think that just because basically don't be that every other weekend dad that swoops in and takes him to do the cool stuff and, and say like, I mean, it's one thing if that, if, if you're in a, you know, if, if you're divorced and that's all that you have from a custody perspective, then, then that's what you have and you make the best of it. But that's not my situation. Right. My wife and I are happily married. You know, we, I could see my kids whenever I want. He said, don't be that, that dad that, you know, takes the girls, you know, takes your daughters on date nights and you have all this, you know, amazingly great time. And then you're going to take, you know, your boys on like these really fun backpacking and camping trips. And like, they have these phenomenal, you know, experiences. 
yeah, it's, it's okay to do that. But if you don't do that and also have the quantity time, then they're just going to see you as the fun dad and as the fun parent. And you know, your wife's going to be kind of positioned as, you know, the, as the mean one. And it's just not fair. So we're very, very cognizant. I don't like having experiences separate from my wife. And I really don't like having a lot of experiences separate from my family. Right now, again, if, if I've got a speaking engagement in Europe, I'm probably not going to take all four kids out of school to go. But I would very much like to take my wife. And um, we have no problem whatsoever. And we tell our kids all the time, you know, our relationship, the relationship between my wife and I is the most important relationship uh, in our lives. It, it will last longer than, you know, there's going to come a time where our kids are going to leave and cleave. They're going to go off on their own. They're going to hopefully um, get married themselves and start their own families, begin their own traditions. And it's going to be my wife and I. So we have a weekly date night and that's something that we've always maintained. And we do that even if I've been gone all week and I really miss the kids, that weekly date night is more important. I'll see them the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I think making sure that uh, just kind of last steps, I'd say, make sure that when when you talk about family, understand that you've got as a parent, um, you, you have the other role there, which is husband or wife, right? And you cannot neglect that role either because that will also hurt the kids. So make sure that you have that regular date night. Um, and then just make sure that, that you have the, the quantity time and not just the quality time. Yeah. Quality is great, but don't miss the stuff. Like yeah. I, I don't like, I don't like having to leave work sometimes to pick up, you know, my daughter from, from dance. It's very, very frustrating, but it's important that I do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, could my wife go and do it? Yeah, it's important that I do it. It's important that I fly home early or catch a red eye so I can make it back for a soccer game or something like that. Um, it's those kind of things are important. So uh, it, don't just be the cool parent who takes the kids to do all the fun stuff. Make sure that you have that that quantity time and make sure that you got the quantity time with your with your partner as well. Because I think if that relationship falls apart, the family's going to suffer no matter no matter how cool of a parent you are. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me and thanks so much for this uh, this project and everything that you're doing. I think it's important. Thanks. Yeah, you can find Ryan at digitalmarketer.com um, and I'll link all of that up in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode with Ryan valuable, um, please just share it with another dad um, that could use maybe some of these tips or would also find it valuable. Uh, This show exists to help fathers and give them tips and tricks on how to be intentional in their role. And that's how we grow the show is just by sharing. So please email it to a friend. Um, Also, go out to twocentdad.com, the number twocentdad.com, and sign up for our email list. If you're not already on it, um, you'll, you'll get all the latest episodes. Thank you so much for listening. And you can always email me at mike at twocentdad.com. Thank you.